You're listening to the Next Shot Podcast, the show that brings photographers, educators, and industry leaders to inspire you to create and share your next shot with your host, Justin. Welcome back to the Next Shot Podcast, episode three. Today, I want to talk about finding a photographic process. What do I mean by this? Well, I love quotes and everybody will probably get sick of quotes here eventually. One of my favorite quotes from Ansel Adams, it says, you don't take a photograph, you make it. That made me think, what does he mean by that? We're not just taking a photograph with the click of the shutter. We're really creating it from a thought process in our head, all the way to putting in settings, gear, into creating a final photograph. I wanted to talk about that because I have so many people through emails and questions as they run into me here and there. And everybody's like, I struggle with knowing what to do, when I need to do it, how I need to do it. How do you walk up to a scene and instantly start photographing it? You just got all this knowledge and it's just so easy. Well, you know why it's so easy for me sometimes? It's because I have a process. So today I want to talk about the photographic process from from inspiration in our brain to making it a reality in print. I'm going to just kind of talk about my process in general on how I approach things. And if anybody knows me, I am big on preaching, do what is right for you, not what's good for Justin is not good for you, or what's good for you is not good for your photographer friend. I'm a big proponent of that. So let's get down to it. When I find an image, whether I'm out driving the gravel roads or wherever I'm at, I have visually thought of something, or I visually see something, I should say, that strikes me. And first of all, people say, well, I never know what to take a picture of. Well, yeah, you do. You just have to sit and think. Photography is all about breaking things down from composition to light to subject and all these different things. I think as photographers, we take things way too quickly. We don't sit back, break down an image in our head, and we just want to come up with an end result before we even have thought about the first part of what we need to do. So people always say, Justin, I don't know what to take a photograph of. Yes, you do. So let's say you're you know driving down the road and you got this barn out of your driver's window that catches your eye. Well, that's what you're going to take a picture of. That is your subject. So number one, finding your subject Now, obviously, when we're out photographing, we need to make a visual impact, whether that's with a portrait, a landscape, a product photo, whatever we are photographing, we need that subject to create a visual impact because that's going to do one thing. It's going to draw your viewer into the photograph. In the world of being literally served billions of photographs a day on social media from Instagram, Instagram Reels, TikTok, Facebook, and all the photographers we follow, and all of the other people in this world we follow on social media, we are bombarded literally with images. So if you are scrolling through Facebook, for me, I can scroll, scroll, and I do it fast. I scroll fast. I mean, I'm not really reading anything. It's photographs. I'm a visual person, obviously, as a photographer, but that something needs to catch my eye. 
So I need to create that visual impact, something that's going to say, whoa, make me stop, scroll back a little bit and say, whoa, I really want to look at this photograph or whatever it may be. So one, you need to find that subject, make it like super impactful because you want that viewer to look at it explore the image, not just look at it for a split second and scroll on. I would say that's 99% of images we see on social media is they're not visually impacting. They are oversaturated, not sharp or something. There's something about them that makes you catch your eye, but I don't think for the right part. So number one, find that subject, make it visually impactful to the viewer, no matter how that's going to be composition, lighting, you know, whatever it is, got to find your subject. The next thing I start looking at outside of subject is composition. So I find my subject and then I start composing it. So I think about, well, how am I going to pose it? Compose it. A lens. What is my lens choice going to be? Don't just grab the camera and say, oh, I'm going to photograph it with like right now I'm staring at my Nikon D850 with a 24 to 70 f2.8 G2 from Tamron. Let's say that is in the right seat of my truck. If I grab that and start photographing it, my subject, and I'm like, ah, I just don't love the photograph. Well, why don't I like the photograph? Well, guess what? It might be too wide of a shot. What made me visually make this photograph impactful? Or what was I thinking? I needed to bring it in tighter. So I'm using the wrong lens. So first of all, you need to think of that lens as well. Do I need a telephoto? Do I need it as a wide angle? And then from once you've got your composition figured out, your subject figured out, you know, I'm looking at exposure. So what is this going to be? You know, what's my shutter speed going to be? What's my aperture, my ISO? You know, I don't have to think about ISO as much for the most part. I like to set that fairly low for the landscape stuff. I don't have to really worry about shutter speed and aperture. I think our number one goal of any image, like I've spoke about, is we need to make it visually impactful. It needs to be impacting to the point where it draws in the viewer. Well, maybe it's the lighting that's going to help with that on top of our subject. So then I start thinking about, well, how am I going to do this? What does my shutter speed need to be? I set shutter speed first, aperture second, and ISO last, because most times I don't have to worry about that. It's already set. So I start out in shutter speed. So if I'm using, say, the 70 to 200 2 millimeter f2.8 lens VC from Tamron, the first thing I do is I set a shutter speed based on my focal length. So there's an old rule of thumb that says you should use a focal length or excuse me, a shutter speed greater than the focal length of your lens. So as an example, you have the 200 millimeter lens on your shutter speed should be greater than 200 to be super safe. Maybe you want to double that. Let's go from 250 to 500, make it easy. If you're using a 200 millimeter lens, you go 400. That's going to help you stop any blurriness or less sharp photo from your movement, not subject movement. You know, if you're photographing a race car at hundred miles an hour, that's probably not fast enough to stop that. You may need to go way, way higher, four thousandths, eight thousandths of a second. But if I'm just photographing a barn, it's not moving that for number one shutter speed. Eh, okay. 200 millimeter lens, double that 400 of a second. Perfect. That is probably going to obviously have enough shutter speed to stop 
action and motion because A, my barn's not moving. B, I'm really not moving. And then on top of that, I have the VC or vibration control, similar to Canon's image stabilization lens vibration reduction. Let's say I'm photographing a stream. Do I want to freeze that action and motion and make water like tack sharp, stop it? Or do I want it to flow and give you that white, soft, milky, smooth flow? Those are two things I'm thinking of. If it's water, most of the time I'm wanting to slow it down. So that leads me to two things. Well, if I'm doing that, what do I need? Now I'm looking at, do I need a neutral density to block out light so I can slow the shutter speed down even further on a really bright day? Then it comes back to, well, what shutter speed do I need to blur that water? That's probably a couple seconds long. Well, can I handhold a couple second long exposure? Nope. So what does that mean? Tripod. So now I have two pieces of gear I threw in there. What you're doing with this process is you're just building. You're building off each piece. When I talk about studio lighting, I tell people you start with one light and you build off that. If you need it, go for a second. If you don't, then don't. You know, if you don't need a neutral density for the shot you're using, why use it? It's just an extra piece of gear. So as I'm thinking through exposure as well, I'm looking at aperture. You know, if I'm doing a macro shot, do I need a very shallow depth of field where I want it to be very bokeh-y in the back and blurred out, you know, to get rid of some distractful things? Or do I need F16, F22 to show everything in focus? So first of all, kind of a recap so far, what we've talked about is we're trying to find something visually impactful. And then we're looking at composition. How are we going to frame that image? Our lens choice, is that going to help with composition? It's going back to maybe using a couple different lenses to find out and say, okay, you know what? I've got a couple different options here. I'm good to go. Then we go into shutter speed, aperture, and ISO. Once you kind of have got that, I go back and I start looking at gear too. Like, let's go back to the example of the slow shutter speed. So if I have a slow shutter speed, I know I have a tripod. I know I need the neutral density, but what other things I might need? I might need a cable release, something I can plug into the camera to click the shutter for me so I don't have any camera movement. Well, let's say I don't have a shutter release. Never bought one, forgot it at home. I can use self-timer. So it's all these little things that you need to think of. And it seems so overwhelming to think of all these things and gear and what do I need and what's my settings going to be in the end. But if we take one step at a time and think about it and build off each of the previous steps, we're going to build this impactful photograph. So then as I'm going through, I've got all this stuff figured out. Now I have my gear figured out, my settings figured out. Am I going to shoot the entire scene or whatever has stopped me to keep just photographing it that way? No, I'm going to start varying up my aperture, my shutter speed to give me different looks or different photographs. I call this working the scene. You shoot high, you shoot low. Maybe you move 15 steps to the right and 30 steps to the left. And, you know, and then let's say I move to the left 15 steps. I then decide to shoot an image higher. I maybe shoot one at regular height. Maybe I get down on the ground. I'm working the scene, making several different images, varying exposure, underexposing it to make it more dramatic with the light that I have, or maybe overexposing it, giving it that soft and airy feel or whatever I'm trying to do. 
you just need to go back and think through this as a process and one piece at a time, step by step, and you'll start building off everything. Some people say, well, do you know in the end that it's what you want for an image? Not always. I will come up on a scene and I know what I want to do to the point of exposure, but I don't maybe think about in terms of black and white or color or the cropping. Some of that will come to me as inspiration in post-processing. I'm sitting in Lightroom and I'm looking at it and I'm like, ah, I love this, but I'm missing something. What do I not like about it? I'm like, oh, there's a little tree in the corner. Maybe I crop it out. I start building on that in the post-process world. I'm polishing this image in post-process. I don't always know what I'm going to have in the end. Sometimes I do. I mean, there are times that I am set out in my head. I know everything from beginning, exactly how I want to see it. So I know what settings to set. And then I turn to, this is going to be black and white, or this is going to be more of a fine art photograph versus, I don't know, something not. I do have that whole process in my head, but not always. And that's okay. You're going to build this skill in finding your process. It's just one of those things that you'll build over time. Processes change. You'll find things that are working for you, not working for you. Process is okay to change because there's nothing more. I hate to hear, well, I've always done it this way, or we've always done it this way. No, it's a process. It's allowed to change. It's allowed to evolve with time and techniques. Like I could have had a process 10 years ago, but now I have a new piece of gear that makes that process easier, whatever it may be. So guess what? Am I going to work hard? No, work smarter, not harder every time, especially if you're in the world of doing this to make money. Time is money. If I'm on a shoot doing commercial work, can I sit there and hear the dreaded in my head or what I hear from other people is, oh, we can just Photoshop it. Can I? Yeah. How much time is it going to take me to Photoshop it? Five minutes, five hours. Or if I'm on set photographing a cupcake, is it easier on set to fix something that's five minutes worth of work? Or maybe it takes me two minutes in Photoshop. Well, guess what? I might as well just do it in Photoshop. Or let's turn the tables. I'm on set. Something's really goofy. The lighting is. Could I get a reflector out? Fill some shadows. Yep. Takes me two minutes or less. Or if I was going to try to fix that in Photoshop and burn and dodge and different filters and gradient filters and all this stuff to fix it, it might take me an hour. So why do it that way? So you have to keep thinking through your process over and over, reevaluate things like that, and just keep working it through. And eventually you'll, you'll find a process for everything. You'll have a process for photographing landscapes and a process for photographing eagles or whatever you want to do, whatever genre of photography you're into. Now there's other things is I always have my camera set up a certain way. I'm always shooting raw, but let's say you do lots of everything. Good examples. A lot of friends will photograph eagles here in Iowa in the winter, but they do a lot of landscape stuff the rest of the year. Well, let's say you go out and you're photographing landscape and you come across this bald eagle fishing in a lake and you're like, man, I really want to photograph this. So you get your lens out, you put your telephoto lens on. Well, now you got all this stuff to think about. Shutter speed, aperture, ISO. What do I need to do? Let's say you primarily photograph landscapes and a lot of your newer cameras will have user settings. Like I know Nikon has U1, U2, U3, whatever. Sony, Canon, they all do it. So let's say there's a couple things you photograph a lot. Landscapes. You always shoot your landscapes roughly at f8. 
and your shutter speed that I don't know, well, let's call it 200th of a second, whatever it may be, you can actually set your camera up with all the settings, even in the menus, go into these user settings and say, U1 is going to be my landscape settings. Program the camera to U1. U2 is going to be all your settings for photographing eagles, you know, a thousandth of a second or whatever your shutter speed is, your apertures, let's just call it F4. You can preset all this stuff. You're focusing, you know, a landscape image, you might have a focusing mode of single. So once it's in focus, it's focused. It's not going to change. Photographing sports or eagles flying and fishing, that's going to be continuous autofocus. That's going to allow you to continually, as long as you have that shutter button or your back button focus held down that button, it's going to keep focusing, trying to keep that subject in focus. So you can have U2 set for the shutter speed you want, the focusing modes, everything you need to do or how you set your camera up on a very basic level for eagles. Put that as U2. Golden. Now you're out driving around, you stumble upon this eagle, and guess what? You're like, man, I don't have to think about all this stuff. You go from U1 to U2, bam, camera set to U2. It's set. Now you can start photographing because that eagle may be done fishing by the time you get everything figured out. You're like, oh, I missed it. So there's little tips like that that you can do into your process of, it's like a, I don't know, SOP, as we say, standard operating procedure. You do things a certain way and a certain set of points to get an end result. You're going from A to B. For me, I'm a very processed person. You know, I'm out photographing something. I try to stick to, I find my subject, I find my composition, then I set my exposure aperture or sorry, shutter speed, aperture, ISO. I get all excited and switch my process up. I get confused. I stumble more than if I would just stick to my process. So when people say, how do you do things so quickly, Justin? How do you just know what to do? It's because I have that process. I pose to you is start thinking about your processes. When the next time you go out and photograph something, Look at everything you're doing step by step and say, do I do that the same way every time? If yes, then you already have a process. Then you can start looking at your process and tweaking it little by little. Because when you have a process, process becomes muscle memory, meaning you don't have to think about it. You just do it without thinking. It's like a subconscious thought militariness in me. I'm the same way. I never figure out my camera. I don't know where all the buttons are. How do you have it up to your eye and you're changing things without pulling the camera away from your eye? Because it's muscle memory. People chase gear. People want the newest camera. I know people who literally bought, let's say, I don't know, camera XYZ. And five months later, camera XYZ V2 comes out. They go out and buy it. They never learned the first one they had, and they get into this vicious cycle of new gear, and they never learn the gear they have, so it never becomes muscle memory. I think that's a big struggle. So kind of with this whole process thing, it's also learning your gear, knowing where your buttons are. On my Tamron lens, there's settings for vibration control, one, two, and three. Switch all the way forward is one, switch to the middle is two, switch to the far back is three. I can feel that with my thumb 
and tell you exactly what setting that is on, knowing that one correlates to A, two correlates to B, and three correlates to C. I know what A, B, and C do, and I know one, two, and three, what those correlate to. I can switch it without having to take it away from my eye and going from, you know, thinking of this process, being focused on my photograph, I now have to stop and think and look, and guess what? I miss stuff. It's all those little things. I'm in the middle of a shoot and I'm like, uh-oh, my lens stopped focusing. What happened? So do I go into panic mode? No, because in my brain, I was like, what has happened 9.9 million times prior to this, where this has happened and it's been what every time? For some ungodly reason, the Tamron 70-200, 2.8, the switches are just a hair higher than the lens. They're not like recessed down in. I bump from autofocus to manual focus all the time and don't know how I do it. I don't. But I know 9.9 million times prior to this happening today, it's always been this. So what do I do? I go, I know where that is, muscle memory again. Oh, it's not all the way forward. That switch is not pushed forward, meaning it's an autofocus. It's pushed back by feel. Yep. Click forward, bam, started autofocusing again. I knew that. Why? Because I have a process. I have all these little things. I try to tell people in the photography world, your brain, think of it as like a, a little filing cabinet and you have all these drawers and, you know, there's things in drawers that you put to the back of the drawer because you rarely use it. And there's things you put at the front of a drawer because you always use it. Think of your process in your brain like that too. I mean, like I know lots of useless photo stuff. When I worked at PhotoPro, people are like, how did you remember that? Ah, because I've seen about 18 other people do it. How common is it? I see it once, twice a year, but I know it. Then they're like, wow, you knew that really quick. Yeah, it happens literally every day somebody calls or every three days somebody calls. So it's just knowing your gear 24 to 70 to a from Tamron has a lock switch on it. And that means it will not zoom out if it's locked. I've had that happen before. I put it in a case, some ungodly reason it's locked. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? It's not zooming. I want to go to the worst case scenario. It's broke. Got to send it in. What does that mean? Well, that's probably locked. I don't know if I can stress this enough for people to come through a process, especially if you do this with clients and a money-making venture. If you do it the same way every time, you're comfortable with it. There's nothing scary about it. Good example of some photos I did recently. I usually normally use a flash for portraits. I did not because I didn't want to be annoying at where we were. Wish I would have taken the flash now. I strayed away from my process. It caused me anxiety and anxiousness on what was I going to do? It's like, oh my God, oh my God. If I just had flash, I would know what to do. Exactly. I strayed away from my process. Not saying that it's a bad thing because sometimes in your process, you have to abandon it. Because what you were doing, it's stuff's hitting the fan and you have to figure out and work around and have processes to processes to processes. If you have process A and it's not working out, you can jump to process B. If B's not working out, process C. You know, it's just one of those things and getting to know your gear and all that stuff all plays a big part. And as I'm thinking about this and all the stuff I've just spoken about there's a lot to this. There's a lot to photography, but photography can be so simple too. If you make it simple, I tell people work smarter, not harder. If you want to work harder and not smarter, that is all on you. More power to you. If that's how you work. That's how you work. I try not to work that way. Do I make certain things more difficult? 
Yes. Should I? No. But it happens, and we all do it. Let's kind of recap here. Finding a process. Look at your genre or your subject of photography, eagles, landscape. Find a process for that. What's that going to look like? Well, for me, I'm going to find my subject first. Then I'm going to start figuring out how do I visually make that impactful? Is it with lens choice? Is it with exposure? Is it a certain piece of gear? And then I work to that. Then I'm setting exposure. I always set shutter speed, aperture, and then I set ISO. Those are all set. Then I start working the scene. I'm moving to the right, moving to the left. I'm going high, going low. It's a very simple process for the most part. Now, are my processes complicated at times? Yes. Do I have a complicated process for a simple photograph? No. Do I have a simple process for a simple photograph? Yes. Do I have a complicated process for a complicated photograph? Yes. They go hand in hand. I can't say, I don't know, photograph XYZ. It's very complicated with something simple sometimes because there's so many steps to it that let's say photographing a landscape might have five steps for me versus 50 steps. If I was doing a food shot, there's more things to think about. So it's just trying to find it kind of go with the flow sometimes as well. So hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. I think I kind of rambled. It's okay. But if you guys have any questions on anything, feel free to go to nextshotpodcast.com. There's a little microphone on the right. You can leave me a voice message and I'll get back to you on those. Really looking forward in the future to maybe doing a listener episode where I can take your guys' questions and answer them in a podcast. I would love to do that maybe the first quarter of 2023. I want to start compiling those. Head on over to nextshotpodcast.com. Leave that message. If you are enjoying the podcast, please go over to wherever you are listening to your podcast and leave me a review. I would love that. That helps the world tell the rest of the world about me, I guess. And if you really, really love it, you can also head over to the website nextshotpodcast.com. And there is a little link down below to buy me a coffee. Keeps me energized with all the projects I'm doing. So again, thank you guys so much for the support. I can't thank you all enough. So have a great day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at nextshotpodcast.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, share, and review. Don't forget to join us for another episode of The Next Shot. See you guys next time. 